Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And there will be Colorado Rockies baseball here on the show, despite the fact that I'm talking free agency and hot stove and well, the Rockies haven't done any of that, have they? But but I am going to go through here, uh, talk about some of these deals individually and a little bit what they mean for uh, the player or the team, but of, of course the market as well. And what it tells us a little bit about what the Rockies are doing, uh, why I think they're waiting a little bit, why, why they didn't do anything over the winter meetings and so on. And just to begin with a big overall takeaway, a lot of money is being thrown around uh, this offseason, which is good for the players in general from a player's standpoint. I I like seeing that from the owners, but from a Colorado Rockies standpoint, it is one of those things where I think as a team that right now has a limited budget on, on what they can spend given what they've already you know promised to for example, Charlie Blackman, that's it's really the only bad contract on, on the roster, right? Well, maybe Chris Bryant, we'll see. But when you've got those kind of big chunks right now, you're in an in-between spot. And as we've talked about before, just in general, it's not wise to even come close to overspending on pitching. You know, how do you find those diamonds in the rough? And sometimes it's in recognizing that you can't hang with trying to make some of these offers. So, I'm going to talk about that for each of these players as well. I'm going to go through as they're listed in alphabetical order by team. I'm not going to dive into some of these that are just low level stuff. I'm going to breeze right past a few of them. I'm not going to talk about every single deal, but here we go. Uh, oops, almost skipped the Arizona Diamondbacks who like your Colorado Rockies really haven't done much. They picked up former Colorado Rocky, part of the Troy Tulowitzki trade. Miguel Castro, relief pitcher on a one year, $3.5 million contract. And that's all they've done. So your team isn't the only team that's only signed a single one-year $3 million deal. Uh, Atlanta similarly has done very little. Of course, they're in less of a need uh, to do stuff. They've been very, very good recently. But Jesse Chavez comes in on a one-year $1.2 million deal and Nick Anderson in a, on a one-year under a $1 million contract. Baltimore signs Kyle Gibson. He was someone I was semi-interested in as an older pitcher. He's in his age 33, 34 seasons now, uh, and he hasn't, he's been bad, quite frankly, the last couple of years, an 80, uh, 80, 83 ERA plus uh, for Philadelphia the last couple of years. But before that in Texas, he was very, very good. So again, this is the kind of guy we've talked about. Maybe you figure out a, a change of scenery or, or a different tact, or he's at a place in his career where he just, something clicks with him for whatever reason. You can get him on the relatively cheap. Baltimore did at one year, 10 million, but it's a one year deal. So that's, that's really, you know, that's something I wouldn't have minded seeing the Rockies do. But then if you look at his numbers over the last two years, it's hard to be broken hearted that they didn't like land this guy, right? Because you're like, Ugh, it's entirely possible. He's just kind of cooked, right? But that's, that's a, Potentially good pickup. Ten million sounds like a lot. It's not what it used to be. Get, these numbers get ridiculous at some point, as we're as we're going to find out, right? All right. Speaking of ridiculous numbers, the Boston Red Sox are throwing money around. Twenty nine year old uh, Japanese player Masataka Yoshida comes in on a five year, ninety million dollar contract. That's again the kind of thing that the Rockies just almost have to stay out of the business of, and it's frustrating. And quite frankly, most mid to low market teams can't afford to commit $90 million to 
a guy they've never seen against major league pitching, right? And there's certain things you can project. And yes, there you can do things with analytics and, and scouts and all of that. But uh, as many guys who come in on these kinds of deals and contracts and promise and hype from uh, various leagues, but Japanese tend to be the more famous ones, a lot of them really, really pan out and a lot of them really, really don't, right? It's a big risk, uh, but I'm very curious to, to watch him play. Uh, they also pick up Kenley Jansen, uh, still one of the better relievers in baseball on a two-year, $32 million contract. That's really great money for a reliever. That's that's good stuff for Jansen. A former Colorado Rocky, Chris Martin, goes to Boston on a two-year, $17.5 million deal. Again, uh, he hasn't really been especially great, and he's getting up there in age. Now, he is coming off his best season, but it's the only season in his career where he posted over one win, right? He's basically been a replacement level pitcher for most of his career. And uh, even Boston has to commit two years, 17 and a half million to a guy like that, because that's just the the price of semi-decent pitching these days. Um, and the Chicago Cubs, as you all know, picked up Cody Bellinger. We talked about that on a previous podcast in depth. And Jamison Tyone, another player. So there's two players that I was uh, hoping the Rockies would be in on. And both players that I think the Cubs end up throwing contracts at that I don't think it would have been wise for the Rockies to match. You know, four years, $68 million might be right on I would say the higher end of what Tyone has been worth in Pittsburgh for the last couple of years. If there's any kind of injury or setback to him, he'll be slightly overpaid, right? But the Chicago Cubs can afford to do that. The Colorado Rockies really can't. And then you add in the element of what if he came here and just couldn't deal with the Coors Field stuff. The health became an issue with him at altitude, X, Y, and Z. And now you're tied to a guy on a four-year, $68 million contract, and you can't go in any other direction. You've got to let it play out. So a little rich for my blood again. And and it's not that, you know, I've, I guess this is the time to make this quick aside. I saw, I think it was uh, Ben Verlander tweeted out something. And I understand this premise, and I, I agree with what he's getting at here, saying that, you know, we shouldn't provide smoke screens for these owners to not spend money. And so it's weird when fans come out and say that contract is too much for that player. Like, it's not your money. It's the owner's money. And we should want these guys to get paid. And in theory, all of that is true, yes. But we also live in the real world where all of us understand that these teams operate under budgets. I don't care if you're Oakland or the Yankees. There's there's a dollar amount your GM isn't allowed to go over. Because at some point, the luxury tax becomes too much. Or if you're a lower market team, whatever. The owners decide that, right? And I agree. They should all be higher. But if everyone raised their spending by 30%, competitively, we're in the same spot. Competitively, we're having the same conversation, right? So all of that is true. But what fans who are upset or, or when I say the Rockies shouldn't spend that much money, I'm not saying in a vacuum, in theory, in fantasy land, they shouldn't go out and sign Jamison Tyon and Cody Bellinger and Mike Clevenger, who I'm going to talk about next, and Josh Bell while we're at all the next players I'm going to talk about, right? Sure, that'd be great. But we all understand that the general manager is working inside the confines of a budget. And we're judging that general manager based on how well they work inside those confines. And so I don't think it would have been wise for Bill Schmidt to spend his entire free agency capital on 
one starting pitcher, Jamison Tyone, who's got pretty good numbers, but certainly, again, like we've talked about, no guarantees and so on and so forth. And so an interesting candidate, but I think wise to not try to keep up with the Benjamins there. Uh, Chicago White Sox signed Mike Clevenger for a one-year $12 million deal. This is an extension of the same conversation we get to have now. I would have done this in a heartbeat. Again, a one-year deal, now we're talking. And so, so the question is, could or should the Rockies have beat this? And would Mike Clevenger have given a damn? He's got a little more clout in the game. Uh, he's got his opportunity here to choose where he wants to go as a free agent. Chicago, a better environment to pitch in. Anywhere else is a better environment to pitch in. And so, you know, then the question would be, well, what would it cost? Would he do it for an extra million? Two, three is a one-year $15 million contract for Mike Clevenger, a good idea for the Rockies and something that would pull him away from Chicago, potentially. And that's something I could make the argument for. Um, you know, again, especially if a guy's willing to take a one-year deal. I think that's something that you gotta look at and and potentially be in on. But they call it free agency for a reason. The the pitchers ultimately have their decision. And for some of them, there's no amount of money for which they would come here and pitch, right? So that's always a difficult conversation. But that is a deal I, I would absolutely have done if I was sitting in the Rockies uh, GM office. Let's see. Cincinnati hadn't done really anything. Luke Mail, fine. One year, 1.8 million. Mailey. Mal, uh, the Cleveland Guardians get Josh Bell, who I just mentioned, a player I really like. Two years, $33 million. Um, the Rockies have plenty of first baseman DH types right now, so they didn't need to be in on this at all, But uh, unless they started making trades for pitching or something like that. But uh, I like that, and, and I like that he is no longer in the National League, so he can't be doing any uh, damage to your ball club. Appreciate that. Um, and they pick up Anthony Gose, uh a player I really like. Little, little, little guy. Two years, two million. Uh, as I mentioned, your Rockies, the only deal so far, Jose Urania, one year, $3.5 million. I do think they will make at least one more signing before the offseason is over, but we'll talk more about that at the end. The Houston Astros uh, pick up Jose Abreu. That was a big one. Three years, $58.5 million. Again, another player who I've always loved and 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 dreamed on what he would look like in a Rockies uniform. Those who are informed, and <laughs> as opposed to those who are not, that's a shout out. One particular writer on Twitter. Um, know that the Colorado Rockies were very much in on Jose Abreu when he first came to the United States and that they reportedly had offered him uh, more than any uh, anybody but the White Sox and that that was maybe just where he was going to go anyway because there was a much more of a, a Cuban connection for him there. But it, it was always one of the big what-ifs for me because during that time when the Rockies were actually relatively competitive, they really struggled to fill that first base spot. And if they could have had a guy like that, those teams with Nolan and Charlie and Trevor and so on, they they really could have gone places with Jose Abreu locked in over there at first base. And, and they made their run at that and ended up settling on the Ian Desmonds and Daniel Murphys and so on. And it's it's just one of the biggest what-ifs in Rockies history. But anyone who tells you that they had no idea who he was is just uninformed at the very least. Um, but at this point in time, it obviously doesn't make any sense for the Rockies to be going after older slugging uh, first baseman. They already have one of those and, he, and he's good. And he's, 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 there's no reason to do that. Right. Uh, the Los Angeles angels, as most of you know, this was early in the off season, uh, picked up former Colorado Rocky, Tyler Anderson. 
three years, $39 million. Boy, if he had, if he wasn't a former Colorado Rocky who absolutely did not want to be here for health reasons, that's the type of contract you would go, hey, that would make sense. Bring that guy in. But then you remember, oh, yeah. This is a house of horrors for him in a certain way, mostly in terms of injuries and being able to stay healthy with certain stuff. And he just, you know, would never want to come back here. So that's a good deal for Tyler Anderson. Uh, nice to see him not on the Dodgers anymore. So we want, at the very least, if he's going to continue to be pretty good, not have to have it shoved directly in our faces. Uh, but and good for him, honestly. Tyler's a, a he was always a really good guy to me. Always treated me with a lot of respect. Uh, I was like talking to him. Always rooted for his weird little mechanical delivery and uh, change-up first pitcher and, and stuff like that. So, uh, Godspeed to Tyler Anderson. And the Los Angeles Angels also pick up former Colorado Rocky pitcher Carlos Estevez. This one's a, it's a heartbreaker. Carlos is a great guy and a pretty darn good pitcher. Two years, $13.5 million seems perfectly reasonable. Um, you know, if I'm the Rockies, I'd, I'd have matched that easily uh or done a little more even just to to keep him here because you need a guy like that in your bullpen a guy who's proven that he knows how to pitch Coors Field he absolutely has his ups and downs and and he he was never consistent here but he he could he could bring it you know Uh, over the years he he was able to get you know even innings pitched which is a, a a huge deal you know even the the ability to stay healthy and and get out there and pitch but uh for that price tag, not too much at, at two years, 13-5 spread out. But um, yeah, we'll see. I, I bet he'll lock it in with a bit more consistency because it's easier to pitch out there. And uh, I'm sure he'll enjoy the L.A. weather. Uh, <laughs> the, the Dodgers keep Clayton Kershaw and pick up Shelby Miller. The New York Mets, <laughs> moving on. New York Mets spent all of the money. There's no money left. Nobody else has money. They spent your uh, money. The New York Mets maintain Brandon Nimmo at eight years, 162 million. There is no way the Rockies should have competed with that. I understand completely now why they came out so early on. Because it was weird to me. Like they talked throughout the season, they gave us all these hints. And even I think once said, yeah, we'll be looking in at Nimmo. And then it was like week two or three of the offseason, the quotes were coming out. They're like, eh, we're out on that. I was like, what changed? Eight years. That's what changed. They <laughs> they knew that there were talks of an eight-year contract for a guy who has massive health concerns. And there's, there's just absolutely no way the Rockies should be in the business of doing any of that. Like, you can't have two of those. It's questionable to have one of them, right? You can't have two of them. And unlike Chris Bryant... Brandon Nimmo actually does come into this contract with a massive injury history, right? And and really big ups and downs. And and some numbers suggesting that his defense, which is a big part of his value, Brandon Nimmo gets most of his value from defense and walking, which is, those are really important things. I should say on base. <laughs> it should be nice. But the defense in particular is one of those things that doesn't age. One of the reasons I like the Chris Bryant contract better is because almost none of his value is built on defense. So even if he's going to have these plantar fasciitis or whatever, he's not going to be fully healthy, whatever it is, the guy can clearly still hit. And that's usually the last skill that, I mean, look at our pools, right? That, that when these great hitters, that's the last thing that goes from them. And so, We'll see how it turns out, and I'm happy for Brandon Nimmo, but there's absolutely no chance the Rockies should have come anywhere close to giving that guy eight years. Um, reliever Edwin Diaz with a, a well-earned but 
risky five-year, $102 million contract for a reliever. Again, you can't argue that he's not worth it. Back to the Ben Verlander conversation. But it's also like, I can absolutely see people, Mets fans being ecstatic right now that they got. And the next three players I'm going to talk about, Justin Verlander, they pick up two years, 86.7 million. Jose Quintana, this Jose Quintana pickup is actually the best one. Two years, 26 million. That's a smart contract. That's a good, smart contract for an underrated player. The rest of these are big money for guys who are great right now when they're on the field, Brandon Nimmo. But... In two, three years, these Diaz and Nimmo contracts could really be... Now, I know they've got more money, but they're going to have that New York money, and maybe they just keep spending and spending and spending. And so, again, this is something that teams in New York, Chicago, and L.A. can get away with a little bit more than anyone else. But there's just no way to compete with that. It, it Never in a million years do the Rockies give a $100 million contract to a reliever. You can't, right? And not just the Rockies, the Reds, the Orioles... Uh, obviously, the Rays would never consider something like that, right? It's not something that the Mariners can do. Um, I would argue it's not something that the Padres should be doing, but they're doing it, so we'll see how that works out. Of course, the big news so far has been Aaron Judge going back to the Yankees at nine years, $360 million. Rockies fans everywhere are just happy he's not going to the Giants. Uh, Anthony Rizzo uh, also stays on two years, $40 million. And uh, Tommy Canely, former Colorado Rocky. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, yeah, the big one, and I get to do this thing now. So Philadelphia Phillies signed Trey Turner for 11 years, $300 million. I love Trey Turner. I think he's a phenomenal baseball player. I think these 10-plus-year contracts are ridiculous. Nine for Aaron Judge coming off one of the greatest seasons of all time is, like, okay, but still question. I, I would have thought after Albert Pujols we learned our lessons on these, and and. And again, it's like, well, why do you care about how the owners are spending their money? It's just in trying to analyze this stuff and trying to recognize, is this a good deal? I don't know. It, Trey Turner could be phenomenal for four years and then awful for five and then okay for two. You know, it's just like you don't. And then how how would you even know? You know, guys get hurt. You know, the Xander Bogarts, the San Diego deal, 11 years, $280 million. Xander Bogarts has been fantastic the last couple of years. But remember when Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich were fantastic, were MVPs and they're still in the middle of their physical primes and they're not that. So that this idea that because players are great and they're in the middle of their prime, like sign them for that long so that you can pay them less average annual value is, I don't know. Again, it's something that some of these teams feel like they can do. It's definitely not something that everyone could or should be doing. And so it's unfortunate that they're pricing out a lot of markets and, and the like players who can get these deals are only going to go to a handful of places. But it's also debatable whether or not that's going to be good for their long-term health of their franchise, right? We, we saw how hamstrung the Angels were by having to pay Albert Pujols $40 million when he was 38 to 41 years old. And that's going to be the Padres with... Bogarts, not quite that much, but but the same thing, right? Like right now, they're like, great, they got Xander Bogarts. But eight years from now, the guy's already 30. I say that like he's ancient. Goodness, Drew. <laughs> In baseball terms, an 11-year deal for a guy who passed his 30th birthday. All right. 
Uh, the Phillies also picked up Taiwan Walker, who I wanted, but like with the uh, Tyone deal, four years, $72 million, just too much. You, you got to go for a little bit lower than that. You can't be too invested in one guy in the rotation. And if you're listening to this, you know why. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates did some stuff. I'm not talking about any of it. <laughs> Low-level stuff. Same with the Mariners. Only one deal for the Mariners as well. Trevor Gott. Uh, the Giants picked up Mitch Haniger, which was weird and interesting, and I just get the feeling he's going to be one of those thorns on the Rockies' side for a while. Uh, I've always liked him in Seattle. He's a good player. Three years, $43.5 million. Nice, solid deal for him. Um, it, that's going to be a bummer to deal with. And they keep on uh, Jock Peterson, who, of course, is a nightmare. One year, uh, but at 19.7, which is interesting. The, the, no such thing as a, a bad one-year deal, but I don't think Jock Peterson's ever been quite worth $20 million, but hanging on to him, I guess. Uh, I talked about in a previous show, Wilson Contreras going to the Cub, uh, sorry, going to the Cardinals from the Cubs. That's always fun when that happens, right? Five years, $87.5 million. And, and again, another great example of he's probably worth that. At least he's been worth that, right? But he's a catcher who's getting up there in age. And he would be a big risk for almost any other organization. But the Cardinals are an institution. They also obviously have quite the history of catchers and you know, catcher people who are going to be able to hang around and and work with them and make sure that that turns out. But there's still no guarantee there. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that deal doesn't end up being that great. But he's, he's a damn good player, but not someone that I think most mid to lower level, especially with the way catchers age. It's just a highly risky position. Like with relievers, it's tough to invest that kind of money in a player like that, unless you're really confident either in them or that you've built enough around them that if that contract falls apart, you're okay. You're like, well, we can afford to have one bad one, right? But we'll see. Uh, Tampa hasn't done anything. Oh, they picked up Zach Eflin. That's right. Three years, $40 million. Uh, So fine. Uh, again, something I would, I would like to see the Rockies maybe in on something like that. But when you've got your choice, and it's also hard to commit for three years. Texas Rangers, the big one, obviously picking up Jacob deGrom. We've talked about that already. Uh, Andrew Haney, uh, who was somebody I, w- I was very interested in to see the Rockies maybe give a look at. Didn't happen that way. And uh, yeah, there we go. What, Washington do something? Heimer Candelario? Sure. Uh, <laughs> so that does leave uh, a few interesting free agent pitchers left on the board. Uh, David Price, a little too old. Uh, Mike Miner, Wade Miley, if you're into the loogie veteran guy thing, maybe, you know, outsmart the, the Coors field and the aging curves. If you want to go that direction. Again, we've talked about most of these guys before. Um, Chad Cool is an interesting one. Just go get him, bring him back. Chris Archer, we've talked about before. Joe Ross, who I'm very interested in, and Eric Fetty is potential. Uh, Diamond in the Rough, you know, reclamation project candidates. Uh who, who else? Garrett Richards is out there. Uh, Mark Appel, again, reclamation, right? Like project guys, but that's what we're talking about here. Chichi Gonzalez. No, I'm, uh, I'm good on that experiment. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like he maxed out his Colorado Rockies potential. Uh, a few others who are still out there. Um, Matt Harvey, who's still only 33.7 years old. It feels like he's been around forever. Um, hadn't been good in a while, but again, that's, some of these guys do have decent numbers, and I actually like the the Chad Cool idea. Um, as I mentioned, I'll, I'll probably do an article following up on this, talk about some of the players I think um, 
that are left that the Rockies could or should be interested in, especially now that the field is narrowed a little bit. It's always tough at the beginning of the offseason to be like, which of these pitchers should the Rockies be in on? It's like, well, like 20 of those dudes, they should at the very least be having calls with their representatives. And I'm not going to write up a little blurb on 20 dudes who are all going to be signed by different teams, as, as you saw there, right? A bunch of these guys were. So now that it's narrowed down a little bit, I think there are some good candidates. I think the Rockies have wisely decided that they they shouldn't be trying to keep up with this first batch. The spending at this level, most of these contracts, honestly, I think are overpays. At least, again, not in terms of the players don't deserve them, and I'm happy for all of the players. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of a general manager who has a budget he can't go over, and you're only allowed to sign a certain amount of players, is it a good idea to spend it like this, the way these contracts have been signed four-year deals 68 to 72 million dollars for guys like tyone and walker taiwan walker right i like the idea of those players in a colorado rockies uniform i hate the idea of that contract on the colorado rockies books and so i think you've got to look at what's left now because there's just as good a chance that any of these guys that, that a mike minor or a wade miley or a chad cool will pitch better for the Rockies than would these guys who are getting much more lucrative deals, right? And I think in recognizing that, the last thing is just that they got to get somebody. They 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 really can't walk out of this offseason with with nothing, right? Kevin Kiermeyer, I think it wasn't on my list. That, w- that just came through right before I started recording to sign with the Blue Jays. So that, I think, pretty much puts an end to the free agent outfielders that make any kind of sense. I don't think Andrew Benintendi makes sense. I, I wouldn't be disappointed to see him come here. He's a very good player, but I just I think that's too much of a block for Zach Veen. I think at this point, you run with those guys and, and you spend it all on pitching, but you spread it out. Get a couple of these guys that are left over now that hopefully the big dogs have all tired themselves out spending all of this money in a spree to go after these players. And I think some of, I'll tell you this, some of these contracts are going to be regretted. Maybe not immediately, maybe not next year, but especially some of these 11 year deals. But the Rockies are now in a good position to sign a slew of one or two year deals at lower dollar amounts potentially find themselves some diamonds in the rough who can come in and help their ball club uh, as they hope that the the centerpieces of the future are still mostly going to come from within. And I think that that's, that's always been the case and that was always going to be the case, right? But there are some names here. They got to go get somebody. And we need to talk about relief pitchers. I'll do that on the next show. We'll get specifically into that because I've only really looked in-depth at the starting pitcher market. But there are some relievers out there as well that the Rockies should be in on. Uh, That's absolutely one thing that has stretched their rotation over the last couple of years is every time Bud Black has had to make that decision in the sixth or seventh inning when Marquez or Freeland or Senzatella, John Gray there for a little while, or Gomber, whoever, is throwing a decent game. They've been battling all game. You know, they're at 90 pitches in the sixth inning. They've given up three, but... The Rockies are clinging to a 4-3 lead, and it's like, all right, do I hand this thing over to the bullpen, or do I ask for a seventh inning out of this guy? Because he's definitely the better pitcher because the bullpen stinks, but my, my starter's getting stretched. Well, 
We got a chance to win this one. Let's send Kyle back out there for the seventh. Oh, we walked the first guy. Ah, blue pit. Ah, three-run jack. (laughs) You know, and now Kyle's tired, and the team is down, and you have to go to the bullpen anyway. And so I think there's a way at which really strengthening the bullpen could have a nice impact on the rotation too, but you've got to get at least one starter. You got to get at least one. So those are my thoughts on the hot stove so far. Let me know if I missed anything. There were a lot of names to go through here. If there was a big one that I missed as I was scrolling through, it's entirely possible. So just hit me up on Twitter or in the Discord, and I will talk about that player and or team next time. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.